We don't want or shouldn't help those people. Those people feel there is no hope, no future. Time to change the story. This is Reentry. I'm here with Bill Curry. Um, Bill, you're a guy who wears many hats, and because of all those different hats, you've been able to pull experiences and knowledge and, and give us kind of a holistic perspective of who really is in the system, why they're there, why when they get out, they go back, why why they don't even want to get out, the institutionalized and stuff. So you, you were a chaplain in which prison? Venus Prison. Uh, I've been there for 20 years total. But oh, chap- you're still there? Chaplain for 10, yeah. And is that paid job or is that no. volunteer? Volunteer. Volunteer. So you don't even get paid to go in there and help these guys. That surprises them too. Yeah. Um, so you've been a chaplain. You run a veterans uh, mm-hmm. organization, and that's called? It's called Veterans Helping Veterans, and we subtitle it uh, Team Phoenix because the phoenix is the mythical bird that comes up out of the ashes. Yep. And that's what we try to do is help people whose lives are in ashes come back out of it and uh, reintegrate. And that's within the prison system, though, right? It's in the prison system, but but also with system when they get out. When they get out. And that's really, is, is that what helped you partner with Chains of Grace, or did one come before the other? Well, Chains of Grace is, is the most recent. I know Rick, uh, Rick Davis and Mike Marshall, and they asked me to, to see about it, if I'd be interested. Uh, I interviewed with Rick, and he just asked me one question. He said, what's your passion? What's your calling? And I said, it's, it's helping guys, working people in prison that don't have anything to do or what to do or help them be successful to get out, I guess you'd say. Yep. So uh, I got drawn into that with this. What year was that? Two years ago. Two years ago, so 2017? Yeah. Something. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, But you were doing the veterans program before that, right? right? You've had that going successfully for how many years now? It's about it's about four years. And then last year we got the uh, Governor's Award for the most innovative program. Uh, and did they say why it was so innovative? It's innovative because we sit there and don't just come in, teach a class, walk out the door, come back a week later, teach a class, walk out the door. Uh, we help guys get prepared to get out. We help them with resume. We help with job searches. We help with uh, finding... Uh, housing, things like that. So it's it's a it's not just a, a job, it's a it's a calling because we work with them, we build bonds with them. We're trying to open their eyes to how they can be successful once they get out and not come back. And see that's that that to me is the big thing is it it's really not innovative in itself as something new. You're just taking common sense and going, hey, we can't help these guys unless we do the full package. Nothing's going to get done if we just come in, do a class, and leave. Some The only way this is actually going to change is if we give these guys not only the tools, but the support system to use those tools. And that was one of the big things we got out of talking with Rachel. Uh, she was saying one of the things that people can help with the most and, and how this is actually going to be successful, this whole reentry world, is the collaboration between these different organizations in helping these men and women not just know what they've done wrong or, hey, you need to get a job, mm-hmm. but help them actually get the job, find the place to stay afterwards, give them the accountability to stay successful once they get out. Um, so that's why I find awesome between your organization and Chains of Grace is, is that collaboration. Um, but the cool thing about you is, is where Chains of Grace is, once they're out, they can come to Change of Grace to get help. You're you're almost at 
intermediary between the two where you're in the system as well and then you're taking them all the way from in the system to out the system and staying with them is that correct yeah yeah it's a like you might have said before holistic Mm -hmm. some people get into the 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 ministry in the prisons for money some get into it because they have a heart for it Uh, sometimes their hearts misguided they want to believe everything they hear uh Prisoners can take it for granted. They can sit there and use you and abuse you, and and people get hurt. But you just need to be able to sit there with a, like raising children, uh, have a firm hand, lead them in the right direction. But then it has to be their call. They've got to be the ones that steps up, goes out the door, makes the interview. Uh, we don't do it for them. Good. Uh, yeah. there, there are there are companies that get paid money through grants and things like that to go into prisons, and they they pay people to be there. Uh, we don't have a grant. We just have our pocketbook, and we uh, self-fund ourselves. Occasionally, we get some donations from, from outside sources, but it's just us doing it. You ask what I get, what I get paid, and one guy asked me one time, uh, very sarcastically, he says, well, how much do you get paid to be here? And I says, I don't get paid anything to be here. He says, you mean you come here for free? He said, yeah. Or I said, yeah. And I said, I get paid nothing to come here and put up with your BS and, uh, and still come back. And that kind of shocked him. At that about, point, did he take you a little more seriously then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, inmates can see through a fake in a heartbeat. Mm. They'll know who the, who the phony is. They'll know who, who they can play. Uh, sometimes they'll try to play. They'll try to play games with you uh, just to see if you'll give because they know what the rules are, and they're going to see if you do. Uh, the other thing about when guys get out of prison and come to an aftercare facility, just because you're out of prison doesn't mean that you don't still play games. Mm. It's like your children. You, know, you may punish your child for breaking the china or whatever it happens to be okay they can say they're sorry they maybe had to do some repentance work to make up for it. that doesn't mean they necessarily learned a lesson about playing with the china and is that what you're trying to get them to understand see learn from in your organization as and as a chaplain is to get them to see that and go okay th- this pattern needs to change it's gonna have to change from you not from me it, and then move on from there that's absolutely true. But also, I think it's easy for people on the outside. If you go into prison once a week, once a month, once a year, you don't have a full appreciation of, of the individuals you're dealing with. And that sounds kind of coarse and that sounds kind of no. hard. But the better you understand who you're working with and maybe what their propensities are, the better you're going to be able to sit there and help them on the outside. Uh, I mean, we all we all will play games to some degree. We'll all do something to try to get our way, what we want, how we want. Uh, one thing I know with our applications with Chains of Grace is, if it looks like that you're trying to sit there and say it's all everybody else's fault, it's not my fault. That's a red flag that says you haven't learned a lesson yet. Mm. Um, so, in your progression of how you do these these three hats, did, so were you a chaplain first, and then you started the the nonprofit? I was a volunteer. Okay. And, I mean, there's 100,000 Bible studies. Everybody wants to come to the prison and do a Bible study. Uh-huh. Not many people want to come to prison and, and do the less glorious stuff of helping people find jobs, counsel people, and do those kinds of things. Mm. And yeah. do you do that as a chaplain, or do you do that more so with the VET program? As, as a chaplain, we're called to support any faith group there is. That's Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, uh, Christians of every flavor. We can't just say, okay, I'm a Christian. I don't believe in uh, Hinduism. Yeah. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to like it. But 
if they have uh, at least four, about five or six people, then we have to provide them the materials to sit there and practice their faith. We have to give them the place and the time. We don't have to agree with them, but we have to support them. And in that support, I mean, you're not just giving them those spiritual guidance. You're uh, is part of what you do, at least for you as a chaplain, is that also doing your your vet program where you're trying to get them to see what they've done to support them, to help them find a job, to do all that. I mean, you do all that as as a chaplain as well. <laughs> so a chaplain really is not just a spiritual guide or mentor in the prison system. He is more of a kind of all-around counselor trying to get them to where they're both on their feet inside the prison, like you were saying earlier, get it together mm -hmm. inside the system. Right. And then help them once they get outside the system. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's something kind of relevatory for me is, you know, they're not just going to you to, so you can pray over them and stuff. Like, you're actually helping them within the system and then uh, as they get out. And you're doing all this, like you said, volunteer. <laughs> gotcha. So, after you've done all this, you've evaluated these guys, they're, they're getting ready to go out. Like, is there a difference between then staying in your organization uh the vet the vets program going to chains of grace and just getting out and going to a state-run place like is 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 there a better or worse system no i say no because uh you can go to some faith-based uh aftercare facilities and get drugs just as easy as you can anywhere else uh oftentimes you have some facilities that are set up in bad parts of town because it's cheap cheap housing cheap living you have some places that are set up in better parts of town. Uh, but just because you go to a, quote, faith-based program doesn't necessarily mean that you can sit there and have any more success. Now, if you go to some state programs, they're just going to stick you somewhere. And it's it's all about, there's a bed, we got you some food, don't screw up. To me, so what does make the difference then? The people that uh, run the program. As Rick says, if you're in it for the money, okay, you, you're not going to find, you're not going to have the compassion to do what you need to do. So sitting on this side of the, the fence, how do I, as, as an average Joe Blow off the street, going to be able to determine that I'm giving to the right place and I'm supporting the right people? How, how am I going to be able to find that out? Uh, short answer is do your homework. Find out what, what, what the group or the ministry or, or the activity is, what, what they do, how they run it. Um, and what are those markers that I'm looking for when I'm looking for that to say, oh, this these guys have it together. They they, they know what they're they know what they're doing. Easiest way is, is what's a recidivism rate. How many guys have been in their program, and how many washed out? How many are successful? So if you have a hundred guys been through the program, and and you will have failures. I mean that that's a fact of life. If you think you're going to have a hundred guys, a hundred guys going to be are going to be you know models in society, it's not going to happen. But if you sit there and say, well. We've had, you know, 10 out of 90, you know, had issues and had to get kicked out of the program. That means you got a 90% success rate. Now, that doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you helped the 9 out of the 10. Do oh, something. yeah. But they wanted to do something to start with. Mm. The ones that want to play their own game and they want to sit there and walk the fence and, 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 and weave back and forth. Well, okay, I'll play by your rules when it's convenient, but then when it's not convenient, I'm going to play by my rules. They have to know that, you know, there's rules. There's, here's how we're going to do things. And if you don't want to do it like that, it's a real simple thing. You can leave anytime you want to leave. So the first thing is they have to, you have to have a Bill and you have to have a Rachel who have been in the, been in the game so long. They, they're able to tell, but not only 
be able to tell the difference between what's going on. But like you said, enforce it. Right. And that's why they have such a low recidivism rate is mm-hmm. because of those things. Um, so after all of this experience that you've had and after being in there for such a long time, and you said you've seen that you've seen that it doesn't matter if you're faith-based or you're state-run, if you're not doing these things that make it successful, then it doesn't matter. Why, like, why did you end up then partnering with Change of Grace? Maybe it's uh, the people that run it. You know, people have a heart for these these individuals, these offenders, inmates, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want we want to see them succeed, but we and we don't want to see them go back to prison because that costs us tax dollars too. And they understand that, yeah. and that's why you were like, okay, these guys obviously get get it. Yeah. The other thing about Change of Grace is you know we help them get their you know get their driver's license, social security card, get a lot of the different things that they need. And sometimes it's something just as simple as hey, I got a parole meeting, I got to get there. If you don't have a car and there's no transportation close, then how are you going to get there? Well, somebody's going to take you. So, you know, we take them, make sure they get to the parole meeting, get back. Do you know in like state-run stuff, is there any kind of accountability set up once they get there? Uh, I don't know. I would assume it probably depends on, on the institution, which who's running it, how they have it set up. I would think that they probably have some form. But I mean, if you just say screw it, I'm not going to sit there and, and put up with your rules. I'm just going to. I got a place to stay because a lot of guys when they get out of prison, they want they'll go anywhere and do anything just to get out of prison. It doesn't matter how good or bad the institution is, they're going to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we try to do is pick the ones that are have the best chance of success. We can only do one at a time. And is there is there any place that you know of right now? Other than like this, this podcast or, 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 or website where people can go and do their research on on organizations like Chains of Grace, uh, like your uh, veterans program to yeah do their homework and see if it it's, if it's actually worth them supporting. The biggest the biggest help probably come outside the system for people that are trying to find the information for a loved one, friend, or whatever it's in the system. Mm. Guys in the system are going to find out fast enough because the state will sit there and provide them with lists of aftercare facilities. Also, when somebody says, hey, I got, a, I got an application from Chains of Grace, well then, five other guys are gonna sit there and send applications to Chains of Grace. So mm. the, the, the word will pass in the system, and I, I've seen times we've got applications, maybe four, five, or six from one particular unit, all in the course of like two weeks' time. Uh-huh. So somebody got the application, somebody told some friends, and they sent us application. Uh, so within the system, it spreads pretty quickly, but it's outside the system that we need to get the word out more and better and utilize avenues and mediums to, 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 do, to do that. And that's something that you know they can do through the Change of Grace website. Um, changeofgrace.org is go on there and go to the contact form. Look, look at our application. You can actually see what we, the questions we ask, see how well we vet these guys before they come, come into the program. Um, and, and, and go to that contact form and, and email, call Rick, uh, email the board, um, and you can get those questions asked so that ahead of time you can know and take steps proactively. The more proactive you are, the better chance they have. Yep. Um, so with Chains of Grace and your organization, um, what, are, what are some of the biggest needs that you see with those two that people can actually tangibly help with that will not just be them coming in once a month and then leaving or 
um, giving you ten dollars and then saying, "Hey, look, I helped." Like, what is what? What do you real? What is a, a real need? Well, whenever we open up a new house or new facility, chances are it's going to be empty. So we need we need furniture, appliances, the things that you would need to to, to furnish a regular house. Mm -hmm. uh, money is always is always a definite good thing. Uh, consistent giving monthly by monthly, as opposed to just a one time. Well, I'll give you ten bucks and leave it at that. Mm -hmm. But is there any other thing that you can think of that people would be able to help out with? Basically, it's a uh, you know prayer, money, and time if you have it, depending on what you do. And what kind of time, like what could they do with their time if they had it? If you know people that are hiring, that will hire ex-offenders, you know, that's a big deal because, you know, a lot of people just sit there and say, nope, not doing it, don't do it. But yet, if, if somebody comes and says, hey, you know, I, I know somebody that could uh, use a job or you know, I got a cousin getting out of jail or prison, then you refer them. If they have a good respo uh, re re response to them, they do a good job, then the chances are we can get some other people in there. So job leads and hiring leads are a big deal. And as uh, as a chaplain, if you were to sit down with someone and they're like, "Hey, you know what? You know why 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 do you do what you do?" I mean, practically on a day to day deal, like what 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 does Bill get out of it? Like why do you why do you do what you do, and why would you want or how could you encourage others to do the same? Well, aside from the fact that we're called to do it, because there's, there's a verse that says, "To whom much is given, much is required." Mm. It's it's a it's a personal satisfaction. You know, I, I've helped change somebody's life, and a lady that counsels my vets will sit there and she's my goal in life is to change the world through saving one vet at a time. And do, with that goal, how many vets do you think she's actually helped change? I would say hundreds. Exactly. Yeah. So your goal can't be a hundred. A hundred vets, like your goal needs to be one. And if you can have that mindset and then let God do something with it, that's when you're going to see the exponential changes that, that you want to see. Um, you know, if you, can, if you can help somebody be successful, they'll help you be successful. I think that's another Zig Ziglar saying. But if I help you, then you can go out and help somebody else. And I multiply myself by helping you. And you can take what I've taught you. And I think that's the, the, the biggest thing I, I, I see in this your program and this program is once they are successful, it breeds more success. Mm -hmm. Well, the other aspect of it, if you help a guy change his life, then he may change the life of his wife and his kids. So he's changed the family, not just him. Mm -hmm. So by providing him the wherewithal to be successful, to not come out of prison, have a place to live, have food on the table, have a job without having to be worried about that, you know, all the time. He's got less chance of it. If he sees, if he if he lives in a positive environment that's nurturing, then he'll be able to, to love his wife better, his kids better, return to society and have a positive impact as opposed to, like you said, being a drink. And have you, in your experience, seen more families be reunited if they're a part of a program like this? I've seen the results of no support. Uh, Basically, you're going back to what you were. You, you don't have anything. So what's going to happen when you don't have any money, you don't have a job, then you're going to sit there and say, well, i got to have money. How do I get money? Well, it's not going to be legal. So in other words, no support is pretty much guaranteed non-success and not going to work. Yeah. If there is a support, you've at least got a chance. Yeah. And that's what we're really aiming for is the chance. Right. It may not be 
100% successful because no program is ever going to be 100% successful. But if we can at least have a system in place that gives them a chance, then that's worth it. it well, the other thing is we can't make the decisions for them and we can't lead them by the hand. We have to give them the tools in the in the facility to, to be able to do that. Because if we have to lead them by the hand, then you know we're, we're a failure right there. Mm. As my dad always used to say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Only so. when he's thirsty enough. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what you're saying is that's when it, they will drink, and that's when they'll be successful is, is when they hit rock bottom, is when they have nowhere else to go. They see the game doesn't work, mm-hmm. and they need to change the game. And that change is going to come in the form of them owning up to their mistakes, being able to take the tools that you give them, and themselves make the decision to utilize those tools well. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bill, for being here. It's a great talk. Um, I really appreciate the work you do. Uh, I really want to see both the VET program and Chains of Grace be successful, continue to be in operation, um, because we need your experience. We need Rachel's experience. We need Rick's experience. Um, And then we need people to hear it and then act on it. So if you've heard this today and you want to be a part of it, please go to chainsofgrace.org. You can look up the the podcast. It'll be reentry podcast up there at the top. You can donate directly. You can contact us. Let us educate you. Um, If you have questions, if you have, if you are those one in five that are affected by someone being in the system, reach out to us like this is what we're here this like he said this is his passion his life he he doesn't get paid to do this he wants to do this for you for your families especially if you're a vet um so you know utilize the tools that we're giving you um the the information that we're giving you so go to chainsofgrace.org look us up there we're on itunes just look up re-entry under podcast you can find us there and help us get those extra beds so that he can get that guy out of prison as he's already been released on parole but just doesn't have a bed to go to we need extra beds and the only way that we're going to make that happen is with your support with you researching us keeping us accountable coming alongside us and saying hey i have a house hey i've got a realtor who just showed me this hey i've got some inheritance money and i want to see it become something more of a legacy than just my new car Um, So please reach out to us, help us do that, and we'll see you next time on Reentry.